Are you ready to start? Yup, I'm ready to start. Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. It's called Culture Bucket. Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. Culture Bucket, Georgia and Okay, hi everybody, welcome to Culture Bucket, episode number 14? Yes, yes. episode number 14. Good. Episode number 14, I'm one of your hosts, George, with me is the other host, Alex. Say hello, Alex. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. Hi, hi, hi. good, good. Thank you. Today, you join us for part two of our first two-parter on Actors. Our favourite actors. Last week's episode was so exciting. It's ten to six. Today we're going all the way down to number one. <gasps> the stakes are getting higher. Yes. And it's, and harder. it's exciting times. The stakes are harder. Last week they were made of wood and this week <gasps> they're made of uh, lead. Lead. Oh! Jinx. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. We'll start with... The place we traditionally start in, culture catch-up time. This is culture catch-up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. So what have you been doing this week, George? Ah, so much. Because our original plan was to record part two of this episode quite soon after part one. Yes. And then that that did not happen. So... It's been life got in the way. Been? Life got in the way for sure. So it's yeah. been like a week and a half, maybe, has it? Yeah, about ten days. So? Yeah. Yeah. Ten days. That's the length of time you have to isolate in the UK if you're uh, <laughs> in contact with someone with coronavirus. <laughs> Is that not what you're doing right now, George? <laughs> it, it, it might be. Yeah. Um so this week I read a book. I read a book for the first time in a while. I'm pretty sure you read a book last week as well. No, I don't think so. Yeah, how, how I'm I'm thinking of ending things. That was. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've just edited the opposite episode. I just edited that episode. So you edited that episode, but we actually recorded it quite a while ago. Uh so was... <laughs> so no, you haven't read a book. <laughs> Not since I'm thinking of ending things back in September. Was it September? I think. Or, yeah. yeah, September. Yeah, but I I edited that episode like a about a week ago. So I know, I know. Anyway, so I read I read a book called Devolution by Max Brooks. Do you know mm-hmm. Max Brooks? I don't. So Max Brooks is the son of legendary comedian Mel Brooks, who you ah, probably know. Yes, of yeah. course. And Max Brooks is most well known for writing the Zombie Survival Guide and World War Z, which Oh, I do love World War Z. Yeah, and that was made into a slightly disappointing Brad Pitt movie. But the book, the book is great. What? That movie what? is oh. amazing. Oh, right, okay. It's made into an excellent uh, Brad Pitt film. You don't like S- World War Z? No, it's fine, but there are better zombie movies. And it's not, it, it's not really, it's not really a, a good adaptation of World War Z, the book. Okay. <laughs> anyway. 
Anywho. That that's Max Brooks's kind of fame. Uh, claim to fame is writing World War Z, which is an excellent book. So he's written this book, Devolution, which is um, told in a similar style to World War Z in terms of the fact that World War Z was written as if it was a journalist researching how a zombie apocalypse happened and kind of it was it was constructed from interviews and stuff uh, throughout the world that he'd done with different people. It's kind of a cool way of writing a novel, worked really well with World War Z. Doesn't work so well with Devolution, which is about a... It's about a group of people who have gone to live in the middle of nowhere in the sort of Pacific Northwest area of America, kind of near Seattle, but in the middle of the, you know, the the, the forest hmm. in a, in like an eco village. And, you know, the idea is that they all their their house is heated from bio waste created by their own um, human waste. Hmm. And they don't have to do like all their food is brought to them by drones and things like that so it's like the idea is they're living in a sub the suburbs but they're actually living in the middle of nowhere but Mm. they're kind of meant to be communing with nature that kind of thing so uh the book paints them as a bunch of incredibly irritating sort of (laughs) liberals similar to the film the hunt that i watched a few weeks ago where i got kind of annoyed about the way that kind of paints uh left left wing or liberal people Mm. uh in in quite a weird way so it sets it sets it up with all these people living in this village, and then and they're literally living with the man who owns the tech company that made this village. So a pretty important man, mm. who you assume people would sort of care about. Um, a volcano nearby erupts, and creates a natural disaster that completely blocks them off from society. In a way that just, I mean, he tries to explain it away by saying the clouds, the the sky's full of ash and stuff, so no helicopters can get in. And there's like a a lahar, which is a sort of, you know, conc- um, lava flow that's mm. destroyed the bridge and stopping anyone from getting to them. But a part of it, he try and he tries to kind of make out that Max Brooks tries to make out that nobody would come and look for these people. But he also tries to make out the guy that owns it is a sort of Steve Jobs esque tech billionaire. He would definitely mm. have any anyway. It it for me. Kind of the fundamental thing that didn't work about the book is that it, it just didn't make sense that these people would be cut off in this way. But maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's maybe it's accurate. But anyway, what happens is after a few days, uh, they get attacked by Bigfoots, and the movie is about big. The fil- the book is about Bigfoots uh, attacking people, and they have to fight back against the Bigfoots. <laughs> it just sounds like the most random book. It is a random book. I thought zombies uh, would come out, but big no, feet. No, not zombies. Big feet. And big feet are one coming of, out. Um, but one of the <laughs> one of the chapters ends with mm. the main character wandering into a clearing where, like, an animal has been slaughtered, and in a way that you know is clearly a bigfoot. But they don't. They haven't seen the bigfoots yet, so they don't know that. But they see a sh- they see a footprint in the in the ground, and they're like, "Oh, that's a that's that footprint is enormous." How could that possibly be? And the very last sentence of the chapter is, what kind of animal could have such a big foot? <laughs> Come on. So... Uh, anyway, so I was a bit I was a bit excited to read Devolution because I really like Max Brooks and his work and stuff, but mm. I really didn't care for this book at all. How long does it take you to read a book? Oh, well, it took me about three or four days to read this book, but it's not. this book's not very long. It's only like 300 pages or so. So, okay. yeah, no, not a long book. 
not a long book at but all. Like so now I'm back pages to pages would take me a quite a while. I think I'm a really slow reader. Maybe, but I've been on holiday this week as well, so I've you know I had a lot of time okay. to yeah to read. Um, and now I'm onto the Secret Commonwealth again, which I'm finding hard to get through again. So we'll see if I have you started to it that. again. No, 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 because I remember what had happened in it and stuff. So okay. I'm, I'm just carrying on about 36 percent of the way through, according to my Kindle. Yeah, uh, so well, I'll, I think I'll I think you need to power through, and then and then like the end. I, I it it was hard for me to read as well, but I think towards the end it gets you know much better. I think okay. it has to be hard to read because of like transition that Lara is going through. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're and probably so right. you kind of feel, I don't know. Philip Pullman has got this amazing way to write and make you feel exactly how you're supposed to feel. I think. <clears throat> yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I will get yeah. there with it. Mm. But, but that's the book I've read. Now I want to talk about a video game. Alex, are you ready to talk about a video game? Of course. Yeah, I've been playing a game this week. Um, a lot that I've got become obsessed with, and I want to recommend it to anyone who can play it. Um, it's on the Nintendo Switch and PC. Mm. It's developed by Supergiant Games, who made previously made a game called Bastion, which is great, and a game called Transistor, which is really good. Um, and yeah, and this game is called Hades. Oh, like the mm. like is it about the, is it about the underworld? It's exactly what it is, Alex. It's about oh, the underworld. I'm so knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> you play as uh, Zagreus, the son of Hades. Okay. Uh, and you are attempting to escape from the underworld to see your relatives on Mount Olympus. That's kind of the aim of the game. So you start off at the bottom level of the underworld in Tartarus and you have to try and fight your way through all these chambers to get out and up into Mount Olympus. And the kind of twist of the game is it's a roguelike game, which is a um, a sort of genre of game where when your character dies, you start again at the beginning of the game. So you always have like one attempt to get through, if you see what I mean. Oh my but the goodness. great... So, in Hades, when Zagreus is killed, he then has to go all the way back to the start and he wakes up in his house, in Hades' house, and then yeah. has to start his journey again. The thing, that, the thing that Hades does that makes it so brilliant is that the house of Hades is filled with various characters from Greek mythology. So Hades is there, obviously. Mm. Uh, Achilles is there. Hypnos is there. Nyx is there. Who's the, the Nyx is the goddess of night and Hypnos mm. is the, goddess of, uh, the god of sleep and stuff. Who else is there? There's a skeleton there you can talk to and, and various other characters turn up as it goes on. And they remember, each time you come back, they remember that what you've been doing. So you can go and talk to them each time and they'll have new things to say to you and new little interactions and you learn new little things with each kind of death that you make and, and attempt to get out again and stuff. And oh, um, wow. you can kind of unlock new skills as you go and things like that. But it's really the story that is the hook and it's got, I can't remember the exact number, but I was reading that it's got it's got more words in its script than most novels have. Like wow. the the amount of ways that characters can react to things you've done mm. in the game is seems almost infinite. It's an incredibly clever trick at making you feel like everything you've done has an impact mm. on the characters and stuff like that. Uh, it's fantastic. It plays really well. You get various different weapons you can unlock, like a sword or a bow and arrow or a shield or a gun at one point, mm. and. Um, you can, as you're going through, you'll get, you'll see maybe a symbol on the ground sometimes. It might be a, a cup of wine or a lightning bolt or a shield or a trident. And when you pick it up, you have a little conversation with the god that is represented by that symbol. So the lightning bolt is Zeus and the trident is Poseidon. 
the wine is Dionysus, the god of, the god of partying and stuff. And they'll give you a little, they'll give you what's called a boon, which kind of makes your character stronger in a way that's specific to that god. So maybe Zeus will give you something <clears> where when you hit an enemy, a lightning bolt hits the enemy as well, mm. or Dionysus will give you something where when you when you kind of hit an enemy, they'll get hungover and it kind of weakens <laughs> them. Mm. It's great. It's an it's a fantastic wonderful game and if you're interested in greek mythology at all it's it's a really fun time to see the way they've interpreted these different characters and the interactions they have and stuff and yeah it not it's fantastic frustrating uh going back every time to then no and again. the thing is there are some roguelikes where that is frustrating like you die and you have to start again it's like oh come on i don't i don't want to go back for all of that again but because of the way hades works every time i die I'm actually mm. excited to go back and see what new things there might be to find in the starting area, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. And new conversations to have. You look really <laughs> sceptical. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like. I'm not. But, I don't play video games, so I think I'm. I'm amazed. That's all. No, I'm not sceptical. I'm actually like. <laughs> I don't think I would have the patience. I don't think. That's why I don't think I play video games because I don't have the patience to um, learn skills that way. <laughs> maybe yeah i can see that but think of it as being like each death rather than starting again it's like a new chapter because you unlock a new bit of story each time mm. um it yeah, is but it you is still cool. have to redo the same thing over and over again don't you but well but the uh, the levels are randomized so you, you it, it's not the exact same set of chambers you go through each okay. time it will give you a different set of enemies to fight and stuff like that so it mixes up enough just enough to keep it interesting and mm. then you'll unlock a different like the gods you'll talk to and the special abilities you'll get with each run are different, so it kind of changes everything up each time to make it feel, you know, like a new, a new run, a new set of levels. Okay. Uh, it's it, like it's really cool when you finish the first area, you fight one of the, uh, what they call like the Fury Sisters, um, mm. called Megara, yeah. and for the first like ten times you go through this first area, you fight Megara and you can defeat her and get through to the next area. But mm. you'll still have to fight her again. And then one time you go in and it's not her, it's another one of the sisters. And suddenly it introduces, a di- it changes up the boss that you're fighting and you have different... It's really cool. It's really, <laughs> really cool. And yeah, uh, in Hades's house, Cerberus is there, drawn oh. as an extremely cute, uh, free-headed, oh. like, red German <laughs> shepherd. And oh, there's a dedicated... There is a dedicated button to pet Cerberus, so you can go up to Cerberus and just stroke him and pet him as much as you want. It is. But the is greatest. Cerberus nice, or is it just cute? Cerberus? No, Cerberus is nice. Okay. Like you can talk to him and have a little conversation. <laughs> he doesn't talk back to you, but you can like talk to him and stuff, and uh, it's it's cool. It's really cool. It's such a good game. It's such a good game. I love it. So um, yeah, if you're into games at all, I would recommend checking out Hades. And if, if you're into games at all, you probably know what I mean when I talk about roguelikes and stuff like that, and you kind of know what you're getting into a bit. But yeah. It's cool stuff. Right, next, music. I've been listening to a couple of albums this week. One I really, really like and one I'm not sure on, so let's talk about the one I really like first. I've been listening to the new album, Alex, by Clipping. Do you know Clipping? I do not know Clipping. Clipping (laughs) is a hip-hop trio of two producers whose names I forget. Uh, I'll look them up in a moment. Two producers and David Diggs, who you know who David Diggs is, I think. I do. Um, from Hamilton. From Hamilton. <laughs> so he's the rapper in this hip hop trio, and the uh, and I've just accidentally searched for him on the internet instead of clipping because I'm an idiot. Come on, clipping is David Diggs, Jonathan Snipes, and William Hudson or Hudson mm. Hudson. Uh, they're a hip hop trio, two producers, a rapper, David Diggs. 
and they've been going for a few years now. Maybe when did they start? 2009, so reasonably recent. They've put out a few albums, and the cool thing about them is they insist that they're like a kind of... They just think of themselves as a hip-hop trio. They don't, they don't think of themselves as like an experimental hip-hop group in any way. Like They think mm. of themselves as like in the, in the vein of Run DMC or Wu-Tang Clan or something. But the beats and sounds that they create are extremely abrasive at times and, and industrial and interesting and different, and it's they're, they're very cool. Mm. And David Diggs, as a lyricist for them, has this kind of core ethos, which is to never use the first person, never to, never to be rapping about himself, always from the perspective of oh, someone else, okay. uh, which leads to really interesting and different songs that you don't tend to find anywhere else. Like they did an album a couple of years ago called... What was it called? Splendor and Misery, which was a science mm. fiction album, an Afrofuturist science fiction album okay. uh, about somebody who wakes up on a spaceship um, that's kind of uh, drifting through space. And it even won, like, it won a sci-fi award. It won a Hugo Award, I think it was. A, a cool album. But last year, to really get me into them, they released an album called There Existed an Addiction to Blood, which is a horror-themed hip-hop album, uh, which is... <laughs> I listened to it a lot last year and loved it. It's such a good album. Like it uses all these really, really strange, creepy, odd beats, and his rhymes and and songs on the album are all about um, you know murder scenes and ghosts and monsters and things. And it's a cool album. I like it a lot. Then, unexpectedly, about a month or so ago, they announced that they had actually intended to release two albums of horror rapping. Um, but because of everything that happened in the world, they kind yeah. of had to delay the release of the second one. But they decided to put it out on around Halloween, so they just put it out now. And the second album in their series of horror albums is called Visions of Bodies Being Burned. Okay. And somehow it's better than the last one. It is absolutely incredible. It is such a good album. I love it. I would recommend that everybody listens to it. Mm. And um, it's just kind of unlike anything else you're likely to hear. It's really, really cool. Like the fourth track, which was a single, is called 96 Neve Campbell. And in case you don't know, 96 is the year that Scream came out and Neve Campbell was the star of Scream. So that song is all about, um, it's about the sort mm. of final girl trope in horror <clears throat> films. And they've got two female rappers on there, Cam and China, um, kind of uh, turning it around and being better than the killer and stuff like that. It's, it's great. It's really cool. Um, mm. It's just a good album. I really, really like it. And... Yeah, I'd I'd recommend anyone listen to it. I think it's great. It's had it. Clipping have got this weird thing because the main, one of the main places I go to to look at like reviews of albums and stuff is Pitchfork. You know the website Pitchfork dot com. Yeah. And for some weird reason, Pitchfork seem to hate clipping. They give all of their albums really bad reviews. <laughs> well, Pitchfork and I don't hates, understand it. Like every time you talk about Pitchfork, they seem to hate everyone. I know it's such an odd like if I'm like I'm looking at the Wikipedia page now for this album Visions of Bodies Being Burned and like all music gave it a four out of five, Clash gave it eight out of ten, Exclaim nine out of ten, The Line of Best Fit eight out of ten, Pop Matters eight out of ten, Under the Radar eight and a half out of ten, DIY Magazine four out of five, Pitchfork six out of ten, <laughs> and that's that's the highest score they've ever given an album. They gave the last one, which is also brilliant, four and a half out of ten, and I don't what? understand. They just seem to have this thing against them. I don't get it. Anyway. I love them. Clipping are great. I think they're mm. probably not listened to enough because they are a little bit odd, but they're yeah. very much worth uh, worth giving a go to. Uh, so, yeah. Are you going to listen to Visions of Bodies Being Burned, Alex? I'll try. 
Well, it sounds interesting. I never heard of uh, horror horror music, but yeah, it's cool. It, it's it different, quite, isn't it? Is it quite gruesome? Um, I don't think it's too gruesome. No, it's a bit like it's a bit ominous. Mm. Um, but it's it's got some like the last album. Um, well, the last album now existed in Addiction to Blood. The final track on it is called Piano Burning, and it's just an eighteen-minute-long audio recording of a piano on fire. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's pretty cool stuff. The ideas that some people have are amazing. Oh, uh, I think that's based on a sort of famous composition by a a composer or something. I'm not too sure, but uh, it's cool. And the new album, the last track, is a an interpretation of ex- an experimental piece of music by Yoko Ono. Uh, okay. which again is a little bit strange um mm. but but cool so yeah the other album i've been listening to is by a much more well-known group called gorillas <laughs> anyone who's not in the know gorillas is this sort of virtual band uh fronted by damon albarn yeah. who does the music and jamie hewlett who does the illustrations because they're kind of an animated group and they have been going since 2001 they've been going for so long what? now it's crazy yeah is it I was... oh my <laughs> Wow. Yeah, the first Gorillaz album came out in 2001 and then that the second Gorillaz album came out a couple of years after, Demon Days and that is still my favourite album of theirs, I love that, that album That is an amazing album 19 yep. years ago Yeah, yeah, It's crazy isn't it, Clint Eastwood came out 19 years ago, anyway <laughs> Wow, okay I like Gorillaz quite a bit, but I sometimes mm. find that because they have so many collaborators on their albums the actual sound of Gorillaz can occasionally be lost on a full album, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Humans, I don't know if you listened to their album Humans that came out in 2017, suffered a little bit from that. It was a bit kind of Too mm. Many Cooks-esque. Mm. Mm. So their new album is called Song Machine Volume 1. And yeah. what they've been what they've been doing throughout 2020 is every month or so, they've been putting out a single with uh, a different set of collaborators on it. So I think one of the first ones was had Slow Tie and Slaves on it. And Slow Tie is a British rapper and Slaves are a sort of British punk band. And that was quite an interesting track. Mm. And now Song Machine Volume 1 is collecting together the first run of songs from that album. And it is pretty cool. Like, it's a pretty crazy set of people they've got on this album. The opening track is called Strange Times, and the vocals are done by Robert Smith from The Cure. Oh. Yeah, then it's followed up immediately by um, a song featuring Beck. You've then got a song featuring St. Vincent not long after, and you've got a song featuring, who else? Elton John turns oh, up. It's a, it's a yeah, mishmash of, uh, of artists, isn't it? It is, like and a mishmash of artists is a styles. pretty good description because it is, a, it, is a, it is an album that goes all over the place. Like You've got track number five features St. Vincent, track number six, Elton John, track number seven, Peter Hook from New Order. And it sounds like a New Order song. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of... <clears throat> so there's, there are really good songs on it. It's really interesting. Um, it's 17... Like The version on Spotify that I've been listening to is about 17 songs long. It's a long album, and mm. I feel like hiding somewhere within it is like... And I, you know, looking at it on Wikipedia, the first eleven tracks are the official album, then the rest are like the deluxe version. But mm. if you just listen to it on Wikipedia, on Spotify, sorry, that's it's presented to you as like one album of seventeen tracks or whatever. And it's, I think, I think, hiding within it is is an album of about twelve tracks that's really really good. 
if you okay. see what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, my main issue with it is that it, because of the way it's been made, is like, and it's called Song Machine. It's literally just them pumping out singles all year. It mm. doesn't have, it doesn't hang together as an album in the way that, say, Plastic Beach. Do you remember that album that they did? Yeah. Yeah. Like that album is that album is a concept. It's a complete piece of mm. music in a way that you know yeah. has a message and a theme. And so this album feels like just whoever turned up that month, they made a song, and it could have been about anything. And it's a cool idea, and there's some really good tracks on it. But when I've sat down and tried to listen to it through as an album, I've just kind of inevitably gotten bored about five or six tracks in, Aww. which is a bit of a pity in a way. But I'd recommend you give it a go and listen to yeah, it. And I'm definitely. sure you'll be able to pick out a handful of songs that you really like. Like that one with featuring Robert Smith is brilliant and shows that he has so much fire left in his voice. Like that, they need to do a new album. The Cure absolutely needs to put something out because mm. it is really cool. So yeah, that's uh, that's Song Machine Volume 1 by Gorillaz. Then let's get into some films I watched. Um... So just after we last recorded, I went to the cinema again. Hmm. And again? I went again, yeah. Wow. Well, I've been I've been a couple I've been I went to see Tenet and I went to see Saint Maud. That's it. Oh, and Bill and Ted. So yeah. Went to cinema again. Wow. I went to the I I went to the IMAX. Uh the giant all cinema screen. Now? Uh the Cineworlds have all closed, but the oh, uh, the View and Odeons and and stuff are still open, but there's not really much out. But because there's not much out, they've been putting on kind of special showings of classic films and stuff like that to try and get people in a little bit. So they showed on the IMAX a 4K HD restoration of the classic anime Akira. <gasps> no. Yes. Ah! Yes. I got How to see. Was that? Akira on the IMAX and oh, it was wow. incredible. It was oh, so wow. so <laughs> so good. <laughs> um, like I don't know you know if you've never if you've never seen a film on the IMAX and you're listening, the IMAX is a screen that's so big it essentially fills your vision. And the opening shot of Akira is that the camera zoomed in on the crater and then it pulls out and the crater kind of fills in from the edges of the screen and then the title appears over it, Akira. It was like looking into blackness and then just from the edge of my vision, this crater started to appear and then the, you know, Akira in 20 foot high letters on the screen in front of me. It was amazing. It was like seeing the film for the first time. It was so, so cool. And it's given me a whole new appreciation for that movie. The soundtrack on the speakers in that cinema was absolutely phenomenal. That would be... If I'd seen that a week or so earlier, I'd have possibly put that in my um, film music list and definitely mm. in the honourable mentions because it is such a good score. So, yeah, we've talked about Akira before on the podcast, but I wanted to quickly say I've seen it on IMAX and um, I, I don't know how many people will ever get an opportunity to do that, but if you do have an opportunity to do it, definitely make use of it because it's, it's so good. It's so cool. Um... Let's see. Then I watched a film called The Loved Ones, which is an Australian film, Australian horror film from 2009, directed by Sean Byrne. And it's about a guy who, let's see, he's a teenager in school, the not the prom, because they don't call it that in Australia, but like the kind of end of year dance, the homecoming dance mm. or something is happening. He's going to go with his girlfriend, but some of some of a girl invites him to the dance and he says no. Then he is what's he doing he's kind of oh his mum has died at the start of the movie and he's quite sad about that so he goes to sort of ruminate on it somewhere 
and he gets knocked out and when he wakes up he's in this girl's house the girl who'd asked him to go to a dance he's tied to a chair and her and her dad proceed to torture and mutilate him for about an hour and 20 minutes um it's a it's a nasty grisly mean-spirited australian horror film and i really enjoyed it sounds awful look, it's quite intense but it's very it's got some pretty good imagery in it and um it's, <laughs> like, yeah you what don't kind <laughs> of pretty good imagery <laughs> like what, <laughs> what like... do you consider pretty good imagery in like somewhere where somebody gets tortured and dismembered they have this huge <laughs> door in the floor of their kitchen and when they open it up it kind of opens up into this huge pit they've got underneath their house that's full of bones and these people that they've kidnapped and put in there and there's a bit where he kind of falls into the pit and then she slams the door and, the you know, you can see the light from the door and just as she closes the door, it sort of cuts off the screen. It looks pretty good. Like, it's a well-shot, well-made film. Uh, it's worth checking out if you're into horror films because I think it's probably one that's not quite as well-known as some of us. Like, it's a bit, you know, if you're into Texas Chainsaw Massacre and stuff like that, it's pretty good. The girl who plays the uh, girl who kidnaps the boy puts in an amazing performance like she is a really really grim character like the way she acts in the movie is really cool well not like interesting <laughs> to see um so yeah the loved ones i would i would recommend it if you can put up with some you know if you like stuff like the texas chainsaw massacre and kind of exploitation cinema or stuff like that then um would recommend it the loved ones 2009 give it a <laughs> give it a go <laughs> um yeah, but anyway, it's good stuff. Uh, then I watched on YouTube, and I think anyone can watch this, I think. I watched Holy Kalamavote. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Holy, You would like this. You should check it out. Holy Kalamavote is um, something that's been made to encourage people in the US to vote in the upcoming election. Uh, it's hosted by Eric Andre, and what it literally is, is it's Run the Jewels performing their newest album in full for the first time <gasps> on stage. No. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's very simple it's just they turn up at the start they run through the album in full uh, a couple of the guest collaborators turn up and the rest are kind of portrayed on screens and stuff around them and uh, it's really really cool it's really awesome like they haven't been able to get out there and gig and do tours of this album around the world yet so they, they've decided to do this uh, Adult Swim have put it together in America It was in America it was shown on Adult Swim but for international mm. audiences they've put it up on YouTube so I, I think it's still available on YouTube you should be able to watch it Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's really cool to see Killer Mike and LP just out there, you know, doing their, doing their music. It's, uh, it was, it's awesome. It's about 45 minutes long and, uh, it's a great album and it holds up well to being performed live in full, I think. So Sounds check good. it out. Yeah, we'll yeah, definitely yeah, check it out. Good. It's uh, the way it starts is really cool. Cause they sort of drive up to the studio in a car and get out. And then, you know, the way the album just starts really quickly, mm. they just suddenly start and it's, it's on, it's really, really cool. So yeah. Holy clamor vote on YouTube. Check it out. It's good. All right. Then we'll just run through a couple more. Cause there's no point talking loads about these. I watched a film called green room, uh, directed, written and directed by Jeremy Saunier. It's about a punk band that mm. goes to do a gig. Oh, have you heard of it? No. Oh, sorry. You went mm, as if you knew it. It's fine. Mm. Sorry. No, no, no sorry. Sorry. So uh, they go to the, you can still think I'm alive. They're, they're a struggling punk band who go to um, do a gig somewhere and it turns out that the pub that they're gigging in or the bar they're gigging in is run by neo-Nazis, headed up by Patrick Stewart. Oh, 
Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart, yeah. And they they do their gig and then they go back to the green room afterwards to get ready to leave. Something horrible happens in the green room and they end up trapped in the green room with the neo-Nazis trying to get in to uh, kill them, essentially. It's a really good film. I've seen it before. Uh, It's brilliant. Not much more to say other than that about it. Uh, Seeing Patrick Stewart play neo-Nazi is something that you're not going to see very often. So it's... uh, it's a it's a crazy crazy good film. Also stars Anton Yelchin in one of his final roles um, before he tragically died. So oh, yeah, okay, yeah, give that a go. Then I watched Sinister, which um, I watched Sinister because this week a report came out that they had scientifically determined the scariest film of all time. Okay. Yeah, and it was determined that the scariest film of all time is Sinister, starring Ethan Hawke. <laughs> uh, That's where now, he is. Yeah, exactly. We talked. We were asking, weren't we, where Ethan Hawke was? He's in Sinister. Um, if loud noises and things jumping out at you are terrifying, then Sinister certainly is the scariest film of all time because it's just that for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's fine. It's quite a good film, but not worth talking about too much. Then I watched A Razorhead, David Lynch's debut film from nineteen seventy-seven. Yep. Don't roll your eyes at that. No, How dare not, you? no. Sorry, yes, I, didn't I just think you saw would. you roll your eyes at that. <laughs> I didn't think you would notice. <laughs> I saw you do that, and you, you're not cutting that out. That's staying in. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't roll you. my eyes. There was something yes, on did. the wall. You rolled your eyes. Uh, uh, sorry. It's a masterpiece, Alex. Thank you very much. It's a masterpiece of surreal cinema, and you should watch it. Anyway, then I watched an amazing... Oh, I watched a film called Death of a Vlogger. Okay, a vlog, death, a death of a vlogger. Death of a vlogger. This is a film, it's a Scottish film. It must have been made on almost like no money at all. Mm. The director stars in it and shot it on his phone in his own apartment. And he plays a, a sort of vlogger, a YouTuber who's trying to, you know, just trying to get people likes and reactions and stuff like that and whatever. He does a video one day where he's had laser eye surgery done. And his girlfriend sets up the stream for him and it's just meant to be live streaming, talking about what it's like to have laser eye surgery. But obviously he's alone in the room and he's got a blindfold on. Uh, a cup on his table falls off the table in front of him, gets pushed off the table, and then his door gets slammed shut. So it's supposedly, you know, the first ever actual evidence of a haunting on camera. Um, and then it goes from there. He tries to kind of make, you know, get some fame out of it and stuff and the haunting kind of... It's a really cool movie. It was made for so little money, like so little money. And they get some really creepy, sinister... Like, it's as scary as Sinister, which is this Hollywood blockbuster horror mm. film. Um, but instead of any of that, it's just uh, one one guy and a couple of his mates making it in, in, in Glasgow. It's on Amazon Prime in the UK right now. I would highly, highly, highly recommend anyone who likes any sort of thrillers, creepy films at all of any kind, watch Death of a Vlogger. It's really, really cool um, for what it is. <sighs> Good stuff. Then I watched The Wicker Man, classic film, 1973, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Lee, Edward Woodward, goes to the island. We talked about it before. One of my favourite soundtracks ever. It's a good film. Awesome. Then I watched Here Comes Hell, which is on Amazon Prime. Again, another movie that's made for basically no money. It's in black and white, but the really cool thing about it is it starts off being filmed as if it's a 1940s um, like murder mystery film, like as if it's being filmed in the 1940s with very steady camera shots and stuff like that. As the film progresses, the style of filming kind of goes through the ages of cinema and ends up being a bit like an Edgar Wright sort of Shaun of the Dead, you know, zappy 
um, really manic film, which is pretty cool and interesting. Again, probably made for no money. It's about 75 minutes long. The acting is ropey, to say, <laughs> to be generous. <laughs> but um, again, it's on Prime, very easy to watch, and I'd recommend Here Comes Hell. Then I watched Happy Death Day. It's a good film. And then the last film I watched that I watched today, about half an hour before we finished, I really want to talk about it because I think that you should watch it. Are you ready? Yes. Good. I watched a new film that's just come on Netflix the day we were recording called His House. Okay. His House is about a couple who um, have a escaped from south sudan mm-hmm. um escaped from you know really awful violence that's threatening their lives and made the awful crossing in a dinghy across the english channel mm. to get to the uk they get picked up as asylum seekers mm. and they get uh after a couple of days in the detention center they get assigned a house and a social okay. worker played by Matt Smith, mm. who used to be Doctor Who. The couple are played by, get this right, Wunmi Masaku and Sope Derisu. I'm really sorry if I got those names wrong. Uh, mm. They play the couple, and they are assigned a house to live in, and told that if they leave the house or break any of their, you know, kind of rules that are given to them, they will be taken and sent back to where they came from, essentially. Okay. Uh, this week, news has broken this very week that people have died attempting one of these crossings yeah. um, to get to the UK. It's a real thing. It's it's a horrible thing that's happening right now in our world Yeah. Uh, that should not be allowed to happen. No. And I think it's really important that Netflix still release this film this week because it could have been very easy to, to not put it out yeah. But I think it gives a like it's written and directed by a uh, British uh, black young British black director called Remy Weeks is his name. Mm. It's his debut film, and mm. it really shows you how difficult the ex- this experience is. And even once you get to the UK and get if you get assigned a house and all of this how difficult it can still be. And the, he's talked in an interview about the way that you want to um, you want to fit in and do what's right, but also mm. there's so many signs and messages telling you that you're not welcome and that you don't belong and you should go back, that you almost want to rebel against that and then stand up and be yourself as well and how difficult yeah. it is to kind of resign those two things together. Mm. He does a really clever thing of the house that these people are given is totally anonymous-looking, the estate that they're living mm. on looks really run down and unpleasant to live on, but also mm. could be anywhere in the UK. He goes mm. to have a haircut and he asks the barber where they are. And the barber's like, you're on the high street, mate. And he's like, what, in London? The barber goes, uh, sure. Because he, 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 they literally, you know, you get taken to one of these detention centres and then you get driven to anywhere in the UK and assigned a house and you have no yeah. idea where you are at all. Um. So, yeah, it's, it's a really, I mean, it's an amazing film. Now, the, <laughs> the thing mm. I haven't mentioned yet... Uh, is that the house they are given is haunted. <laughs> okay. So it's a sort of... <laughs> like you... <laughs> it's amazing how you could just, like, find a film that is, you know, act like talks about something that is, like, actual now, and then it's like, but 
it's haunted. The house haunted. is haunted. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but the um the thing <laughs> that is haunting them mm. ties in with the story of where they have come from. And the more you find yeah. out about what happened to them before they left, and the more you know that the haunting is the haunting is being used to explore guilt, grief, trauma. All of these feelings that this couple have coming to mm. this country because there are people that didn't make it, and how that you know how that is affecting them is manifested by this spirit or witch or whatever it is that's kind of haunting them and, and making their life difficult now that they're in the UK. And I think it's an amazing example of how horror cinema can explore these real social issues and ideas um, mm. in a way that sort of. I don't know. It's really, it's really interesting and different, and, and yeah, I really love this movie, His House. I gave it five stars, and um, I would recommend it to anyone. I think it's, I think it's awesome, and I'm so happy that films like that can be made and put out by Netflix, and uh, you know, available for people to watch. And you should check it mm. out. It's on. I've, I assume it's on worldwide on Netflix. Anyone can see it. Uh, the two performances, the people, the two main actors put in are absolutely brilliant. Uh, so yeah. Great stuff. His house. So um, that's everything I have to talk about in Culture <laughs> Catch-Up today. Uh, how about you? All I have to say is, wow. That's <laughs> a lot of stuff. Yeah, sorry. Uh, cool. So it's my turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, last week I uh, talked about how I binge... Adam Buxton. And by being oh, Adam yeah. Buxton, I found George the Poet. Yes. And then we talked about last week about the chicken and the egg. Yes. So I thought, okay, usually I just, you know, binge Adam Buxton. But I've he was so... Um, he had such great reviews and things to say about George the Poet's podcast. That I thought, oh, I'll give it a listen. Yeah. And... It's just been 10 days of George the Poet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, I really uh, I want to talk about his podcast because I think it's amazing. I've, n- I've haven't listened to a podcast like this ever. It's really right. unique. Um, the sound, first of all, and that's one thing that uh, Adam Buxton was saying, uh, the sound was amazing. And it is. The sound is so good. And the... Um, is a BBC podcast, so they have like lots of music, and because they have the BBC has got the rights to every music, so they've got um, music from composed by other people, but also music composed for the uh, the podcast, and is um, mm. is uh, by Ben Brick, which seems like an incredible person. But the podcast is really really good because the content is so varied. It's yeah. like sometimes is, um, yeah, there's poetry, but it's kind of like sometimes it's reality, sometimes it's in his head. It talks about, um, you know, uh, factual things or things that are happening or things that he thinks might happen. And it's just so amazing because it changes scenes, it changes topics. Uh, at one point he talks about, uh, there's an episode about... Um, that you're you're not really sure what it's talking about and it's it's I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil it because when I found out what it was talking about, mm. I actually 
was really emotional. Um, right. But actual factual things that then at the end you fi- you find out what they are. And he's so amazing with his words. That is great. It's just a really, really good podcast. And he includes a lot of um, people in it. And um, he studied sociology. So I think he, he really kind of uh, talks what he... he He's interested in politics and uh, society and uh, it's it's really, really, really good. And I think it's definitely a podcast to listen to, which is called Have You Heard George's Podcast? Um, <laughs> it's a good title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a good title. Um, like the first season is really good and really interesting. I kind of sometimes it follows, you know, like it's quite it makes sense but the second Mm. season just goes everywhere and it's really really interesting (laughs) and at one point um there's well it it goes between between different places and then at one point they are in george's brain and like thoughts are fighting each other and like how the sound is made it just changes how you know if somebody's calling on the phone you you hear it um, like a little bit distant and then mm. for example sometimes you don't necessarily ha- hear what they're saying because they're people talking yeah so like they they put people talking so it looks like he, he's in a room so it's like oh sorry just a moment and then he closes the door and then he starts talking to you again <laughs> it's really really interesting and it's um uh two seasons at the moment two season 18 episodes and i think it's definitely uh something to listen to because it's really really good and um how long is each episode about 20 minutes okay yeah yeah it's, it's quite short yeah. yeah how do you listen to it on uh, spotify on spotify and what do you do while you're listening to it i drive okay oh yeah you definitely have to do something that doesn't distract you yeah because that's it's what story. i was thinking so you can't you can't just listen to it whilst cleaning or anything yeah. you know you have to listen to it and just listen to it. So I listen to it whilst driving, and um, I can because it's about an hour drive. I I, I can listen to like three episodes at a time, cool. or six episodes a day. <laughs> wow! I'm obsessed. Uh, but yeah, there are some episodes that are about an hour. There's a uh, an hour special, and there are some specials. But um, I I really love where it's going, and it hasn't got any rules. It's just good. I think definitely a good listen. Um, and from that. Uh, he he did an hour special where he kind of interviewed people, and the last song in this hour special was with a guy. They sang a song called "Follow the Leader," with a guy called with an uh, artist called Maverick Sabre. Have you ever heard of him? Um, yes, Maverick Saber. I pronounce it Saber, Saber. <laughs> I don't know. I'm in Italy. See, that's the thing. I arrived two years later in this country. So, well, I mean, it might be. I might, he might just. I don't know how he pronounces it, but no, I've, I've heard of Maverick Saber, but I don't know much yeah. about him. Yeah, and I thought when he was singing with um, George, uh, I really liked his voice. So I thought oh, I'll listen to his album. And mm. uh, well, he has three albums out, uh, and um, I listened to two of them. One is called Inner Standing, that was released in two thousand and fifteen, and one is called When I Wake Up. Um, Inner Standing is okay. It's an okay album. It, I, it, it's enjoyable to listen to, but I, I was, you know, you know, when you don't really like, mm. I don't know, concentrate <clears throat> on an album. But yeah. when I wake up, the album released in two thousand and nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
great. Have you listened to it? No. Ah, okay. No, it's really, really good. And I think he kind of, he's got a really beautiful voice. It's really smooth and it's just really good. And I, I, was, I was watching some of his um, uh, live performances and when he sings, his moves are as smooth as his voice. So he's mesmerizing <laughs> to watch. It's really weird. Like I was watching these clips and I was just mesmerized by, by um, Maverick, Maverick Saber. And I thought it's really, really good. And it's got, his music is just a lot of times sounds like other things, but different, you know, sometimes I hear Michael Kiwanuka. Sometimes I hear Plan B. It's just really, really interesting artists. And um, when I wake up, it's kind of, um, you know, uh, well, it talks about, uh, there are stories about, you know, gun violence, domestic abuse, uh, loneliness, and um, it's a really, really good album, and it's got some really good songs. And one of them that I really liked is called um, Slow Down. Yeah. Which is an amazing song, which yeah. features an art artist I've been listening to. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've just been like, I've been kind of like creating a chain. Yeah, I just because usually I listen to uh, something and then I, you know, you listen to them and then you forget about it. So uh, you listen uh, to a podcast, you hear that the person is amazing, but then you go. And I am trying to make because I'm so behind being in Italy. Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to make a conscious decision to like go if something I like I just go and see it because if not I'm just you know listen to around the jewels all the time or stuff that you recommend to me and I have to have some like content don't I yeah clipping visions of bodies being burned yes uh, <laughs> and so this song slow down with Georgia Smith uh... do you know her I know her, but I haven't listened to her. But I, my brother really likes her. Yeah. Oh, yes. So uh, she only released one album. Oh, and by the way, sorry. Uh, little, sorry, <laughs> sorry for cutting you <laughs> off. Just minor, George, minor, George, minor, cor no, minor correction. No. I've been asked. Minor correction. I've been asked to make uh, weeks and weeks ago when you said that your favorite singer songwriter was Janelle Monae. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, and you said that it was because I had told you about her. My brother was quite upset that uh, we didn't mention that he had told me about her in the first place. So you just reminded Sorry, me by Carl. talking about Georgia Smith. Uh, Janelle Monet came to me via my brother. So thank you, Carl. Sorry, Alex. I do apologize for cutting you off. Tell me about Georgia That's Smith fine. and her album, please. Would you like to talk some more? No, I want you to more talk. Hours to go. Well, that is. <laughs> But yeah, so uh, uh, Georgia Smith, uh, she just released an album, which is Lost and Found, and she released it in 2008. And whilst I was listening to it, I thought, what, how, Sorry, when, did, when um, did she release it? 2018, not 2008. Sores. That's right. Uh, and when I was listening to it, I thought it was quite eclectic. I was like, oh, it's interesting about an artist to have such an eclectic kind of album and then I went to read about it and actually it's just a collection of songs that she's been writing since she was 18 right and so it is it is eclecting e eclecting I make a new words eclecting it is quite eclectic but it's really really good it's okay 
um, from the first song to the last song, it's just like all of them are different, very separate songs. And I think it, I, I quite like that. I don't know if you would, I don't know if you would enjoy it because you're quite like a concept kind of guy, I think. But yeah. I think you should give it a listen. Because I can get with I, albums that are very, like, do you know when A's album, Dirty Computer, for example, is very, you know, I, I don't mind albums that play with a lot of different styles and genres and stuff necessarily. Mm. Yeah. So, but it's really, really good. I definitely recommend it. It's called Lost and Found. Yeah, I will and listen what to I it. Didn't, yeah. And what I didn't know, she also uh, um, collaborated with um, Kendrick Lamar in a oh. song, I Am. Uh, for uh, in the soundtrack of uh, Black Panther. Oh, okay. So, oh, yeah. right. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Yeah. So, it's, uh, I, I thought it was, it was really, really good. And she's amazing. And, uh, yeah, I, I've been enjoying listening to new music. And um, it, I know it's not new, uh, but it's new to me. So, uh, no, if fine. somebody cool. wants to give me some new um Something to to listen that is from twenty twenty. Please do. <laughs> oh, uh, you're fine. Yeah. You're good. Yeah, but I definitely recommend George the poet. He's well. Have you heard George's podcast? I think is really really good, and I'm I'm really enjoying what I'm learning and which artists I am finding out because of him. Mm. So it's really really good. And then I would like to talk about uh, a series I've been watching. Yes, please. Which is a series, an HBO series called Insecure. Okay. Uh, no. It's a, a kind of comedy drama, uh, which is created by Issa Rae and Larry Wilmore. And it is, it is based on Issa Rae's um, web series called Awkward Black Girl. Okay. And um, I started watching it because I found it on... Um, on Sky, because finally I've got Sky as well. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and uh, and uh, it's, um, well, from what it says to IMDb, it's like, stories of the black female experience from the perspective of two female protagonists, Issa and Molly. So Issa and Molly are best friends. They know each other from, um, they went to university together or college in Stamford, and they are in their late 20s, and they're kind of navigating through life, uh, relationships, jobs, uh, insecurities, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's, it's a really good series. What I love is the music. The music is actually curated by Solange Knowles. Oh, okay. It's got an incredible soundtrack. Um, and yeah, so um, it's... It's good, and what I like about it is just the the main character Issa. Um, mm. She is kind of going through a transition. Uh, she's like in twenty nine, and she has this boyfriend that is not being really kind of um, supportive, and he hasn't got a job, and she's going. She's got a job that she's not really fulfilled with, and there are four seasons. Am I? And I'm on the third one, and um, she still hasn't changed her job. The job is still the same. She still hasn't sorted anything. She still hasn't figured anything out. And it could be frustrating, but at the same time, it's quite realistic because yeah. you you know you don't sort everything out. Is because you break up from your boyfriend doesn't mean that 
everything is going to be fine because you sleep with that guy you're not going to be happier uh, even if you want another job you're not going to get it because it's difficult or you have got you know you kind of feel um maybe you're scared so i like that that it's not kind of it's not all successes there's a lot of yeah. failures and a lot of like staticness yeah. so i find that quite realistic and sometimes you go because she's a really um the main character she's a really good at kind of like good freestyler so she's really good at freestyling and she her freestyling is kind of about her real life and you go well you should do something like that but she doesn't because in a way the the series is called insecure so i guess that's that's the thing about it she's insecure about it and um and her best friend is a lawyer who works in a firm full of white people and mm. uh, she kind of has to act a certain way yeah. uh, to like fit in and mm. then the more the more it goes on the more kind of like then she changes firms and there's different problems so there's a lot of like also um things about kind of like race and uh gender and decisions and blah 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 but i i think it's really really good and i really love the music and i love the the decisions they make in music because it's just really really good mm. and um one thing that i found interesting reading about it today i read some trivia it's just like uh since the beginning well i don't know why i keep watching stuff with lots of sex scenes i don't know <laughs> and i I'm not prudish, but I find him <laughs> so uncomfortable. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm, I'm and and this has got lots of sex scenes, like a lot. And I'm like, do I do why why why? And it's constant, like from euphoria to sex education to it just I don't know. Um, but there are a lot of sex scenes here. But something that um, Issa Rae, the creator. Um, <laughs> like said at the beginning is that you would have to see uh, male actors showing nakedness more than female actresses which is good because usually it's the other way around so I thought that was yeah. interesting yeah and um, yeah there's a lot of bums there's a lot of what oh bums bums right <laughs> fair enough I mean it, it is on HBO so that does is seem that to be what that it vibe. is? Is that yeah. what it is? Maybe yeah, because yeah. I'm watching HBO things, like Euphoria was too much, and 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 that's the thing with Euphoria was like there was a lot of girl nakedness, but with this one there's a lot of male nakedness, and it's not that it bothers me. It just sometimes I feel like it's not necessary. So I'm not sure if Americans are like, you really want to have the sex scene, but oh, it's just too. I just I don't know. No, I mean I'm not bothered by that stuff, so I don't really know. I'm weirded out about it. But maybe because I haven't really watched many HBO series season series because I haven't had the opportunity and I'm mm. just navigating my now in my in HBO yeah. and so I'm a bit It's a lot of yeah, out. Game of, I mean Game of Thrones was famous for having, you know. See, I've never watched Game of Thrones, so Oh, uh, you you're fine. That's, that's not worried about <laughs> Yeah, so that's the thing. So maybe maybe because I haven't been an HBO watcher, mm. maybe. Uh, but no, it's good. It's really, really good. And I'm I'm enjoying it. And I think they're, they're going to have a fifth series. So it's kind of really successful. Oh, well, that's and, good. I definitely, um, I, I've heard of Issa Rae and as she's always described as like insecure creator Issa Rae, but I've never, I just, mm. I've never ever actually watched it. And I've just looked it up and it's not on anything here. I can't watch it, so... Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Mm. I randomly found it because I wanted to watch something uh, after Euphoria that was a li- little bit less um, daunting. Right. It was definitely something good. Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad. I w- if, I, if it ever pops up on Now TV, which is our sort of equivalent to Sky yeah. um, streaming service thing, I'll, uh, I'll give it a go. Yeah, mm. that's good. I like it. What else? Cool. Uh, that's it for me. I haven't been as busy as you, but nay yeah, bother. Thing. Yeah. Cool. Right. Well, after an epic <laughs> catch up, shall we uh, do some homework? Sit down at the back and be quiet and get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework. Now. Last week we talked about actors. Uh, your one of your favorite actors is Alan Rickman. Yeah. So I had to watch Quigley Down Under. Before we start, before you say anything, can I say something about Quigley Down Under? Go for it. So I haven't watched it in years. No. And I like I like Alan Rickman in it. Yeah. If it's if it's like not very correct, I am I apologize. <laughs> like I. <laughs> like I watched it when I was a kid, uh, but yeah. So if if it hasn't aged well, or if it's like kind of, I'm sorry. I I, I just wanted you to watch Alan Rickman in it, and then if it's everything else is bad, then I'm sorry. Okay, oh, cool. George. Um. So, Quigley Down Under is a film from 1990, starring Tom Selleck. As Quigley and mm-hmm. Alan Rickman as Elliot Marston mm-hmm. and Laura San Giacomo as San Giacomo. <laughs> Sorry, San Giacomo as a character whose <laughs> who's, who's name in the credits is Crazy Cora. Yeah, she's amazing though, isn't she? Well, she's something else <laughs> um it, quigley is an american cowboy who answers an ad looking for someone you know a sharpshooter uh and goes to australia uh to be hired by alan rickman who basically wants him to murder um australian aboriginal people so that he can have more land uh is essentially the plot quigley being a good cowboy quickly realizes that alan rickman is a bad guy and he doesn't want to help him murder Aboriginals, Aborigines, sorry. Um, mm. So turns against him and gets attacked. And the film is a, is a big conflict between Alan Rickman and uh, Tom Selleck. Mm. Um, I suppose in terms of you saying, oh, if it's not correct, etc., it could probably be criticised in 2020 for a bit of a white saviour narrative thing. Okay, yeah. But... If we, which is which is a fair criticism, it is very much like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it Quig- was made in the nineties, and yeah. we still thought we were saving everyone. So yeah, um, you know, at the end, all the Aborigines come and stand on a big cliff and <laughs> <laughs> worship Tom Selleck's mustache. But it was, oh, I can't remember. I read, I read about it, and it was very much written uh, and directed by somebody who very much cared about telling that story accurately. So I think it could have been much mm. worse. Um, in its portrayal of uh, indigenous people in Australia, so I think I think it mm. does have a level of respect for the story it's telling. 
But obviously, mm. as it was made in 1990, there is there are elements that are a bit uncomfortable today. But let's put that aside. As yeah. a film, it is completely bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> it is so weird. Um, mainly uh. thanks to the character of Crazy Cora, who... It's again. It's like 1990 attempting to do a strong female character, mm. um, you know. But ultimately, in the end, she does just fall in love with Tom Selleck for no, literally no, no reason what? at all. What? Would you not fall in love with Tom Selleck? They they have barely exchanged any words. She doesn't even call him by his name. She calls him by her dead husband name for like the whole film. <laughs> yeah, just... but like he's tall. He's got a moustache. Come on. These are reasons. These are not reasons to fall in love with somebody. (laughs) Um, He's good with a gun. Why? Why? She she is. She is. um, She's crazy. The movie calls her crazy. Uh, It's not the best vocabulary to use, but she's crazy because her child died. Yeah. um, Because of she was trying to make her child be quiet and and she smothered it and killed it, I think is what. Yeah. Yeah, because the dingoes were coming. Because the was d- it the dingoes? <laughs> something like that. Or coyotes or something, because I think it happened in, in Texas. Um, so there's a scene where she's protecting some indigenous children, and um, <laughs> one of them's crying, and she she has like a big character moment where she's like, no, cry, cry away. It's, 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 it's a weird film, Alex. But I really, but... I really, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I had a, had a it's good... good, isn't it? I had a good time watching it. Um, yeah. You know, it's on Netflix in the UK. If it happens to be on Netflix where you live, give it give it a go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I did watch it with the intention of checking out Alan Rickman, and he is doing his Alan Rickman thing in it, and it is oh. it is fantastic. Um, it's so know, good, isn't it? It's just after Die Hard. You know, it's young Alan Rickman. Oh. He's basically doing his Hans Gruber thing again. Um, he's incredibly charismatic and entertaining. Uh, the only complaint I have regarding Alan Rickman, he is the villain of the movie, so it's not a spoiler to say he gets defeated in the end. And I feel like it's slightly anticlimactic when he does get defeated. Yeah. Um, he just sort of quickly just turns up and he's like, right, well, I'm done with you now and, and defeats him. And I don't know, I'd have liked to see, I don't know, it felt like I wasn't ready to say goodbye to Alan Rickman at that point. No, no. Yeah. It's always like that with Alan Rickman. Yeah, you kind absolutely. of want him to, like, not lose. But he does, and you're just so sad. And I think that's why I fell in love with him in that film because it was the first time that I really didn't want a bad guy to lose. <laughs> Which is yeah. totally fair. Um, yeah. My, I think my favorite scene in the movie, a scene that everyone should watch. Look it up on YouTube. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Is when Quigley first turns up at Elliot Marston's little compound yeah. and demonstrates his ability with a rifle. <gasps> yeah. And Alan Rickman and him are kind of bantering back and forth, and he takes a he gets a man to ride out with a bucket, and he shoots this bucket and stuff. That scene is brilliant. That's a really, really, really entertaining uh, little bit of film. There, there's some parts that are a bit dull overall, but generally, mm. I actually thought it was good. I liked it, and yeah, Alan Rickman is fantastic in it, so I can understand why you'd watch that and and like him. So yeah, quickly down under. Thank you for getting me to watch it. I can absolutely guarantee that I would never have watched that film. Uh, if you hadn't told me to, so <laughs> thank you. I'm glad yeah. you did. So yeah, I I added something to your life with yeah, some. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Actually, I was thinking Australian about it. Australian movie. <laughs> While I was watching it, I was thinking like, 
that movie easily, if that hadn't starred Tom Selleck, it very easily could star Bruce Willis or, you know, another 90s action star. Yeah. And if it starred Bruce Willis, for example, I would have watched it. It could be the exact yeah. same film, but yeah. just have Bruce Willis in it instead of Tom Selleck. And I'd have watched mm. it because I'll watch a film with Bruce Willis in and I just don't, as, as, as beautiful as Tom Selleck is, I don't have any kind of affinity. That I never watched Magnum P.I. and I just know him as the guy from Friends, essentially. So I've never yeah, really watched well, him in much. In Italy, he was super popular and he still is. Um, yeah. He's got a new series now about lawyers or something. But um, yeah, so I watched Mag Magnum P.I. and I loved Tom Selleck. Yeah, that's so totally I've fair. watched that film because of Tom Selleck. Yeah. And then I fell in love with Alan Rickman. Which is fair, because he's the best. Yeah. Cool. All right, so best. your homework? Cool. My homework, I had to watch uh, Her Smell. Her Smell? Uh, because one of your favourite actresses uh, is um, Elizabeth Moss. Uh, so um, the plot is quite simple. Yes. Is uh, this punk rocker who is in a... Uh, it's quite self-destructive and she struggles with sobriety. I don't think she's ever sober until, well, she's, well, she, most of the film, she's not sober. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, she's trying um, to uh, reclaim, well, reclaim, re become, well, I guess they were very, the band was very popular yeah. and successful. And I think she uh, is trying with her band to become successful again or keep yeah. the success uh or uh i don't know well the, the story takes place over quite a long period of time doesn't it so it kind of she has different motivations throughout the film absolutely um my confusion comes from <laughs> me not really knowing what was going on for two hours and 10 minutes right. <laughs> so I'm, i think i think they were popular i don't know if they were popular I don't know what was happening. I'm not sure when it was happening. So the first 20 minutes, you go, if I, no, let's say 10 minutes, you go, oh, okay, oh, amazing. And um, you're right. Um, Elizabeth Moss is amazing. She's great. She's, uh, she, it didn't look like Elizabeth Moss. She was very uh intense and talked really fast and was going everywhere and everything. yeah she almost feels like the joker out of batman in that early stuff. yeah yeah um the one issue that i had is that i uh the the version the um, where i found it didn't have any subtitles right so um i understood maybe 30 percent of the dialogue in the entire film Right, okay. uh, uh, so because they talk very fast or very quietly or very and I felt like they were trying too hard everybody was trying too hard wow uh, really and yeah because it was just kind of like instead of like having a dialogue it was all very like whispery and and intense and I I, I seriously in some in one scene where they're in a club and I think she's supposed to go on, I did not understand what it was going on. I did not. I felt the acting was good, but if I don't understand the dialogue, that's part of the acting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's fair. So, I mean, I don't... I mean, I... Yeah, it's, that's fair if you don't understand the dialogue. I did. I, 
yeah okay i would i would watch it again if i were you because there's some really whispery moments and i had the volume up to like 90 and i was like i do not understand what they're saying also the film is extremely long yeah and um and i i don't know i didn't know who was who what they were talking about there's one scene when they're like oh auntie somebody is in the car who is auntie something? And then the Angus Haynes come in. You're like, ah, that's who she is. And then they have a conversation. I did not get what they were talking about. And maybe with subtitles, I would have understood. But it's so whispery and so hectic. that, And it's kind of theatrical. So she goes from uh, the beginning. She goes from one room to the next, to the next again, to the next again. And then at the end, she does the same. And then she disappears. And then she comes back. And you go, What's happening? Like, I feel like it's a good concept. They were try and they were trying, but trying too hard. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but Elizabeth Moss is really good. I read that everything was scripted. And so it's a very difficult script to do. So I do think that she's a great actress in that sense. Uh. And, but I, the film was just, long and hectic and I didn't understand what was going on and the songs were long and also the last thing whose <laughs> smell whose smell what whose smell her like smell. I was waiting for her smell to pop up and whose smell is it well, it's just a name for the film Alex. no 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 Carabina Quigley is about Carabina Quigley the the favorite is about the girl who's the favorite you know, uh, the Avengers is about the Avengers. Uh, <laughs> like, whose smell? Well, I guess it's meant to be Elizabeth Moss's character. Her smell. She is. She's... But that's the thing. I I feel like the title didn't even match the film, and that's how I feel like how mismatched the film was. I feel like the title, the title totally matches the film. How? Because they're smell? all because they're all drawn to her. They they can't escape her influence. Her smell is 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 trapping them in her influence in her world. Like I'm I'm amazed that you found that that was the thing because I was just like, whose smell? Because at the end, after two hours and ten minutes, and it, the camera pans up again and says her smell, and I was like, whose smell? <laughs> You have lost me, Alex, completely. Yeah, Who smell? <laughs> I feel like you're being like, very unfair on this film, personally. No, I'm not. I'm never unfair. <laughs> I've been all. I like. I watch. You made me watch Twin Peaks, and I was really like really fair about it. You made me watch. You make me watch stuff that I might not watch. I I have been been very fair. I wouldn't be unfair. I'm just. I was confused by the film. Can I be confused by a film? Like I would say, her smell. So some there might be like a little like in the film, maybe a little scene where somebody smells her hair, and you're like, oh, that's that's her smell. That is. But that nobody is does lunacy. that. Why would that? Be in the film? It's a metaphor. Because because the title of a film should somehow like represent something. It represented nothing. If they said whispering, I would say yes. It's a that's metaphor. <laughs> I, I don't remember any... How do you know it's a metaphor? Like, that's the thing. I understood the film so little that I didn't get the metaphor. I just thought, these people need to leave this woman and go away. But they can't leave her because Be of her smell. No, but this is your interpretation. <laughs> yeah, you read that's that what anywhere? I like about it. It's open to interpretation. 
yeah, it's open to be like, what what did I just watch? And it's it just I think if it had been maybe half an hour less, it would have been better. See, for me, I like how long it is. It doesn't feel long to me because it's so it's only five scenes and each scene runs for what half an hour or whatever. Yeah. But because yeah. the number of scenes is quite short and I find each scene on its own really engrossing, the whole thing to me doesn't feel like as long as it is. Oh, no. I just felt like every scene's like, when is this scene going to end? When they're, when they're in, the, in the club, when they have to perform and the three girls come down and it's just like, can we finish this? Like, it's done, <laughs> done. Come on. I know something is happening. It's not good. There's some papers. Sign them. I don't care. She's... She's having a meltdown. Stop. Finished. Like, it just and it just repetitive as well because she's n- not nice. She's self-destructing. And the, the only time she changes is the last scene. Well, not the last. Yeah, when, when she's sober. And you go, well, the rest she's just been mean and rude to everyone. Yeah. And I've just watched a mean, rude person for an hour and a half. And then now I'm watching half an hour of somebody saying something that I don't understand because <laughs> you're whispering. You're bloody whispering. I, re- I genuinely, then... I've watched that film twice. <laughs> I can't disagree more about the level of, I, I don't understand. I feel like you must have watched a version with a poorly mixed audio or something. I don't know. Like maybe, uh, because I the weird thing is I got it from Amazon Prime. And there were no subtitles. And usually there are sub- subtitles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But I don't know. Like, I'll find... I'll send... I've got, I had to buy it because I couldn't <laughs> rent it. So I'll send you and you can watch the poorly <laughs> one. And I, I, I assure you, I would call it The Whispering. And that would have been a perfect title. Or Manic. Or uh, the The Lady... The, the lady who hates I don't know something <laughs> okay it was just <laughs> I'm sorry and I hate like putting stuff down but I'm just saying my opinion no no it's like, totally you fair you liked it and that's great and I and, and, and I think the acting was great like you know Elizabeth Moss was great and I think everybody was good in their own bit I just wish I understood what they were saying Fair, that's fair. I just, I, yeah, that's, that's, I understand. Yeah. And um, I wish the title would have been different. I mean, I don't understand on that one. I disagree. Like, her light, that would have been better. Like, you attracted to light. Like, moths are attracted to light. But people are attracted to smells. Her stage, her stage. Her stage, her, her stage would be a terrible title. Fine. <laughs> her smell is a terrible title. No, it's a great, evocative go, title. But th- there's never that. The problem is they never talk or they never. There's ne- never a hint about what smell is. There must. There has to be something. Have you never heard of metaphor? Yeah, but in a film, when you go, for me, in a film where you go, okay, at the end of the film, you go, whose smell? That means I didn't get the metaphor. So that means the film wasn't wasn't actually successful in their metaphor. With my brain. With, for you, yeah, maybe for you. Yes, fair. But maybe we should ask somebody, what do you think her smell is? Nobody's answering. Who knows? 
<laughs> but yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry whoever put all the hours in this film. I don't want to I don't want to be one of those people, but I personally didn't didn't feel like it was it w- it was just too much for me. Yeah, like it could have been shorter, it could have been more the, I don't know, but you liked it and that's the important thing. And a lot of people liked it because Mm. Yeah, I did. It was really good. Yeah. There was no joint plot. Oh my god. Okay, we're gonna do our top five. Now it's our second part of the top ten actors. <laughs> okay. Right. Five, four, three, two, one. Our top five. I'm gonna start, and then we'll get on to you next. Yeah. Yes. Um. Shall we say, shall we uh, remind our audience of uh, our five, uh, 10 to 6? Yeah, let's do that first. We'll remind them of our <laughs> 10 to 6. Are we trying so. to do some ASMR? No, I'm, I'm just whispering. Okay. Um, okay, well, my, okay, so my number 10 to 6 was... It would be funny if you watched a film again and you noticed everybody whispering. <laughs> It would be. I will watch it again at some point because it's a brilliant film. I've so got it. I've got it. I had to buy it. So you Did can you, have did you it. buy it on DVD? No, I bought it on Amazon Prime because they wouldn't rent it to me. Right. I could just buy it. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Right. Right, man. We've, we've moved on from homework now. We're in top ten, five. Sorry. My, yeah. my number 10 was Robert Pattinson. Number nine, Lupita Nyong'o. Number eight, Elizabeth Moss. Number seven, Sam Neill. And number six, Jake Gyllenhaal. What was your 10 to six? Uh, 10, Jeff Bridges. Nine, Kidding Kiki. Uh, eight, Alan Rickman. Seven, Emma Stone. Six, Forrest Whitaker. Exciting times. So now we get into our top five, the actors that we like more than <laughs> those actors. Oh, I don't like it. <laughs> um. <laughs> My number five pick is an actor who is quite a recent actor, is working a lot at the moment, has done a lot of cool stuff, and I just love her in every single thing I've seen her in, and it is Tessa Thompson. A who? A who? Have you seen uh, Have you seen Thor Ragnarok? No. You've not seen? No. What? Oh, okay. You should watch Thor Ragnarok, Alex. Wait, Tessa Thompson? Thompson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Do you recognise her? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I do. All right. Well, if, do you know what you've seen? Have you seen her, Eamon? Um, Dear White People. Oh, I see. I and... haven't seen Dear White People. Is she good in that? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. I know her from Creed, the uh, Rocky movie starring Michael B. Jordan, uh, where she plays love interest. And she, you know, have you seen, have you seen the original Rocky? Yeah. So... Rocky in the original Rocky falls in love with Adrian. Adrian, um, who you know supports him and helps him, um, and he's very much you know a brilliantly acted character in that movie. But he's caught kind of also exists in order to be you know all of her character motivation is around being in love with Rocky. If you see what I mean, right? Yeah. Tessa Thompson playing kind of the that role in Creed um, mm. has. And, you know, this isn't entirely down to her. This is down to the person who wrote the script and all that. But her character has her own motivations and exists in her own world that Creed kind mm. of discovers and explores and they kind of work together rather than her just being there to, to kind of support Creed. But she does also do that. Um, you know, she, and she's she's got... A, she plays a singer who's slowly going deaf 
and knows mm. that at some point she won't be able to um, you know, perform anymore. And that's a really mm. tough thing to live with. And she just performs it so well. And I think that was the first movie I saw her in and was like, this actress is crazy. Um, so yeah, she's in Creed. She's in a movie called uh, Sorry to Bother You, uh, which stars another actor I really like, who's probably in my honourable mentions, um, whose name I am forgetting, Lakeith Stanfield, mm. uh, who's in Get Out and a few other movies. Uh, Sorry to Bother You is this utterly, utterly bizarre sort of satire on consumerism uh, wrapped up in like a kind of sci-fi urban film. Not uh, Sorry, I mean, urban is in it's set in an urban environment. I don't mean it in any other way. Anyway, um, Sorry to Bother You is, is a weird movie. She's really, really good in it, in a kind of mad role. Uh, Westworld, the TV mm. series Westworld, she plays a really kind of cold, calculating character in that and is, is excellent. And then she mm. she performs, she gives one, probably if I was to do like a top five favourite performances in Marvel films, she would be on that, mm. uh, playing a character okay. called Valkyrie in Thor Ragnarok, which you haven't seen. No, I'm really surprised by that. Which one? It's the. Sorry, I thought. It's the. Th- oh yeah, well, because I, the thing is, since leaving Japan, I haven't had my my Avengers buddy. No, I understand. It's just I just assumed and you'd seen you. it for some reason because it's directed. And you know, it's directed by Taika Waititi. It's that one. Yeah, but like, all the films are dubbed in this country, and watching. Haven't you got Disney Marvel Plus now? Marvel films. Hmm? You've got Disney Plus now, right? Yeah, but I have to watch them by myself. I know, it's not as much Nobody fun. wants to watch them with me. <laughs> then they're not exciting. Like, I watched Black, Black Panther by myself, and I thought, yeah, it's good. But it would be better if George was next to me, and we could, like, yeah, look at that. That's amazing. Exactly true. But, no, she's yeah. she is awesome in Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and she's also in a movie called Annihilation on Netflix. Have you seen Annihilation? No. Uh, I've only seen her in Dear White People. Okay, Annihilation's a really cool film. It mainly stars Natalie Portman, who almost made my top ten because I, I love Natalie Portman, but she didn't quite. Yeah. Um, but Annihilation is a is a great sort of sci-fi uh, movie. Uh, Tessa Thompson plays a scientist in that, and they go into a they go into a zone to explore a meteor that's landed and is kind of creating uh, genetic mutations mm. in wildlife and stuff. Very good movie. So yeah, that's my number five pick, Tessa Thompson. I think she's fantastic. I look forward to everything she does in the future. And my favourite performance of hers is uh, in the Marvel movies. So yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah, I need to watch them. It's just, I need I need a buddy. I need to find a, a Italian George. No, you don't. That sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your number five pick? Who's your number five pick? Um, oh, this this was extra hard. Yeah. Yeah, my number five is uh, an Australian actress called Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I put her in because I think she is great. Mm. Um, Like, even if the film that she's in is not good, she makes it good. Do you know what I mean? No, I do know what you mean. I'm now regretting that she's not in my top ten. Ah, well, she's a new edition of today because I was really <laughs> like torn and I was like, oh, who? And there's like Margot Robbie. She's amazing. Yeah. And I love her. And I the first time I saw her was in, um, well, actually in, was it Home and Away or, um, or, or the other one? I, d- I don't watch Australian soap operas. I can't help you. It was one, one of the two Australian soap operas. Neighbours? So Is there. it Neighbours? Maybe Neighbours. I'm not sure if it was Neighbours or Home and Away. Neighbours. She was in Neighbours from 
But the first time I saw her on the big screen was in The Wolf of Wall Street. Ah, we and saw that together. We saw that together. And although the film, like... Uh, every film <laughs> directed by Martin Scorsese is like an hour too long. Um, no, they're not great. I'm not saying they're not great, but after a while... Oh, we, we know how you feel what... about long movies, Alex. Uh, dude, <laughs> shall we go a few episodes back when you're like, oh, this corner of the world is so long. That is a long film. That is such well, a long Well, uh, The Wolf film. of Wall Street is a long film. Yeah, but it's... But... <laughs> but... <laughs> Got Margot Robbie is so good in it, and she does this like is this supposed to be like New York uh, accent? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like beautiful, and you think, wow, and like this, Australians are, are incredible at, at accents, aren't they? Like, yeah, yeah. And you kind of forgot that she was ever in Neighbors, and um, yeah, I didn't even know she was I in Neighbors. It, yeah. And then she was in um, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, which I talked about. I talked about maybe a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and um, which uh, she's playing um, uh, a reporter in Afghanistan, and still great there. Like completely different role, really, really good. And then, and then she does films like um, Mary Queen of Scots, which she's really good in that. And um, and and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, oh. where she. Yes. She hardly says anything. Yep. But she's amazing. She's incredible like, in that film. She's so good. And yep. you go, yes. Like, how can you be, like, you're so talented that you can just not say anything and still be so memorable. And I didn't even, I wasn't even, I didn't even, when you talked about Margot Robbie then, I didn't even think of that because it, you just forget that she's Margot Robbie when you're watching that film. She yeah. just disappears yeah. into that character completely. Yeah. And she's, great i love her she's talented she's great and she's you know i've seen interviews with her she seems like a really like cool gal it's just really not good and you know i'm i haven't seen suicide squad or birds of prey and i'm not sure if they're good well i heard suicide squad wasn't very good but i'm sure she's probably amazing as arlequin suicide squad is awful she is fantastic in it Birds of Prey is great, and you should watch it. Is it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. definitely watch really Birds of Prey. I really want to watch that, but I've heard that because you told me Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad was bad. I was like, oh. No, yeah. There's no reason for you to watch Suicide Squad, but Harley Quinn or Birds of Prey stands separately from Suicide Squad. You can watch that just on its own, and it's a really fun okay. movie, okay. and she's fantastic mm. in it. Um, and Ewan McGregor is really good in it as well, and a few of her actors. Yeah, no, you should definitely watch Birds of Prey for sure. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, she's she's great, and and she's so versatile. I think she could be in anything and be great. I think. I would agree. Yeah. So that's. I, I would agree. And yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yes. Perfectly splendid. Yeah. But yeah, my number five, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. It's a, that's a fantastic pick. It's a bit like Jake Gyllenhaal last week when you were like, what? How did I forget? <laughs> yes. I can't believe I didn't think of Margot Robbie. She's she's amazing. So good. Okay. My number four pick is someone who I bring up again and again on this podcast, so it probably won't be a surprise to you that <laughs> they're in my top five. Um, it is an actress whose roles I've enjoyed consistently 
for years and years and I, I genuinely think is amazing and um, yeah, it's Scarlett Johansson. Yes. <laughs> of course. Yeah. What a surprise. Mm, and I know, I know you have your issues around Scarlett Johansson but um, I don't know, I just, I've just always, from Lost in Translation all the way through to Jojo mm. Rabbit last year, I think that she is a really good actor. She takes on big blockbuster roles. Like she's, she's so good in the Marvel films in my opinion as Black mm. Widow. But then she does take on a really interesting range of different films outside of that. You know, in the recent years, she's done Chef, uh, Lucy. Mm. Have you seen Lucy? Oh, yeah. Lucy is just such a bonkers movie. (laughs) She's so good (laughs) in it. Uh, Marriage Story. Have you seen Marriage Story? I know. I really want to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a wonderful film. She's so good in that. Jojo Rabbit. We've talked Mm. about that before. Under the Skin. Talked about that a couple of weeks ago. She did a comedy a couple of years ago that I watched... (laughs) watched it twice in a row on a plane called which it got really bad reviews but i really like it called rough night that film is terrible how how did you enjoy that film i don't know i can't explain it just really it was so bad i don't know i like Like scarlett johansson and i really like did we talk about kate mckinnon last week no she's so oh Oh, she's so good, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, I wanted to put her in my top ten because I really I love and adore Kate McKinnon. But she, I, when you she's look at so her filmography, she, she's not yet done like films that I feel, yeah, are worthy of her. But talents. she's a great actress, though. She is a great actress. She's a really, really good actress, oh. and she's really funny. And I sent you that video of her doing um, the Greek Doctor on Saturday. <laughs> It, I like I watched it like three times because it was so funny. Oh, um, I'll make. Sh- then he goes, Kate, Kate, are you okay? <laughs> um, it's this great clip on a recent Saturday Night Live where she um is playing this character who's meant to be a doctor called Doctor. Uh, we know this, and she just keeps saying, "We know, we know this," and she kind of breaks character. It's just very very funny. I'll make sure that it's linked to yeah. it in the show notes. Um, yes, please, because that is. Hilarious. But and also the video of Kate McKinnon as Hillary Clinton playing Hallelujah after the 2016 presidential election on Saturday Night Live. Mm. Like just, I just love that woman. She's she's, she's so the good. absolute best. Um, yeah. But it, you're right. I couldn't put her in my top ten because she just they haven't made a film worthy of her skills yet, in my opinion. Um, mm. Like films of like Yesterday, a movie I hate. She's in that and she's very good in it. But I can't like I can't like Yesterday, Rough Night, Ghostbusters, and um bombshell which i haven't even seen yet uh, mm. they're like the movies that she's done anyway kate mckinnon's great but we're talking about scarlett johansson uh, and rough night which is a great movie trust trust in Lans- Lanslation. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tro- trotsky's lands trays lost in translation obviously is i just adore that movie so much i've I've been to the bar in the hotel in Tokyo that they go to. I yeah, I, I don't know. I I really like Scarlett Johansson. She is always good in everything I've seen her in and um you know, she can be an action star, she can be a dramatic star, she can do literally anything and I will watch it. A comedy star. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Scarlett Johansson. Good times. How good. What, what's your number like 4? It. My number 4. So my number 4 is um an English actress. Uh, who I spoke about uh, a few weeks ago when I was talking about my episode nine, my favorite British TV shows. Uh, and she is called Michaela Cole. Oh, wow. You know? From Chewing Gum? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I've been like, I've just discovered her. Why well, I, 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 this year, last year, yeah, 2019, yeah. with chewing gum. But uh, and then I'm watching Black Earth uh, Rising at the moment, and I may destroy you. And she is so good, and she's got such a range, and she, I feel she acts so naturally. And she can do comedy, like Chewing Gum is really funny, but Black Earth Rising is really like intense and um and like she she needs to kind of like be really intense and she's really good at that. And in um I May Destroy You, she has to like kind of play both because it's kind of uh, a comedy drama. Yeah. And I feel like she's she's so versatile in what she does, but also always Michaela Cole, like she's really truthful to herself. And I really, really like her. And that's why I put her here. Because I think the more time is going to go, the more things we're going to see her in. Because I didn't realize she was in some black mirrors. So I'm going to watch them. And I I think she's a really good actress. And yeah, and I thought I'm excited to see what's going to happen. And I think she's great. No, I, so, um, I've never yeah, watched anything so she's really, done. And I'm, I feel like I should. Yeah, you definitely should. Because I think... She's 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 amazing. Yeah, she's really really good. And I I can only talk about uh, the three things I watched, but in all three, she's really really good. Awesome, cool. So that's yes. your number four. Yeah. Okay. Good. My number three pick. Yeah. Is an actor who defines acting and yeah. being great at acting. Yeah. It is yeah. the man, the myth. The legend, yeah, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> I knew it was going to come at some point. Bring me all the Nicolas Cage you've got. I'll take yeah. any of it. I'm just gonna. Re- I'm just gonna read a list of films now. That's all I'm gonna do for a second. Face yeah. Off, The Rock, yeah, Con Air, Mandy, yes. The Color Out of Space, yeah. Raising Arizona, yeah. Vampires Kiss, <laughs> Wild at Heart, Leaving Las Vegas, Snake Eyes, Adaptation, National Treasure. Bad Lieutenant, Kick-Ass, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse. Come on. And that's not even everything he's done. That's just the best things he's done. The man is a machine. Mm -hmm. The man is a machine of brilliant movies. He had a run there for about six, seven years where he made a lot of awful stuff, uh, supposedly due to (laughs) tax-related reasons. (laughs) Um, You know, giant pyramid tombs are expensive. But I... I think I fell in love with film and acting in general by watching his action films in the 90s when I was younger and I just continue to be blown away by the kind of performances he does like just within the last year the color out of space is one of my favorite movies from the from the mm. past 12 months his performance in that is great he does this bonkers weird Donald Trump impression in it at points uh he's well he's meant to be the character is meant to be impersonating his dad but he just does it as if it's Trump. It's just, it's just so strange, and then everything just falls apart. It's just great in it. Mandy from the past couple of years as well. He just gave this wonderful, un total. There's a scene in Mandy where he's driving a car and just grinning, and it just is chilling and strange. Yeah, the man is the man is the man can do a lot of wrong, but he also does so much right uh, that I I adore him and uh, everything mm. he does. You know he's he's a he's a comic book fan. I I like him. He's the best. What do you think of Nicolas Cage? I I I like him. Yeah, 
Yeah. Well, most of my childhood was with him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous. You know, Face Off, uh, Conair. It's just, those are just classics that you just probably have watched at least 10 times. Yeah, he made them all in a row exactly. as well. He made like, I can't remember the order, but he made The Rock, Conair and Face Off. Boom, boom, boom. All in a row. Yeah. Like, those are classics that they will never die. So, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's a bit crazy and he's Nicolas Cage. But, you know, you haven't watched Moonstruck. I know. I'm sorry. I will watch Moonstruck. You have to. I will. I will. Because it's amazing. And it's a Nicolas Cage that maybe you haven't seen before. Yeah. I I did once set out on a mission to watch every film he'd made and failed. (laughs) (laughs) I did not achieve that goal. (laughs) Amazing. He's he's made yeah, some awful <laughs> films. Yeah. Yeah. But you know. But it's good, you know, when you have actors that you know, uh make a lot of films and they're still going strong. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can never you can well, not always, but you can generally rely on him to be interesting. He he puts across mm. interesting performances. Um and mm. you know, does takes unexpected routes. So yeah, nice. I don't know how much more there is to say about it. I love Nicolas Cage unreservedly. Mm. I have a framed poster of him in my house. I like him. <laughs> You're insane. Yeah, well, uh, he's the best. All right. He is. Um, fantastic. My number three is a little bit like your Nicolas Cage, actually. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, is very prolific. Has been very prolific, and I love him. Uh, is an American actor called Brad Pitt. Brad, Bradley Pitt? Bradley Pitt. Ah, oh, star of World War Z. Yeah, I love Brad Pitt. <laughs> like, he's he was one of the first ones I put because I think I I can watch pretty much Brad Pitt in any film yeah. and I'll be happy to watch him. Yeah. Um, I think the first film I ever watched with him was... I think it was Thelma and Louise. Maybe one of the first ones. I mean, that's I one of his love, first ones. Yeah, I used to love Gina Davies. Oh, yeah. And so um, she's amazing. She's, she's well, she the w- best. I don't know what she, you know. Oh, yeah. Alex, but, um, let me tell you about Gina Davies. Yeah. She stopped acting to yeah. go and be like an Olympian archer. She? Yeah, she's like an Olympian. She's an amazing woman. Wow. She is incredible, Gina Davies. Well done, Gina Davies. Wow. You keep doing you. Yeah. But, yeah. Go, Gina. But yeah, like like Nicolas Cage, come on. He's got seven, 12 monkeys, sleepers, seven years in Tibet. Oh, beautiful film. Like, probably hasn't aged well, but it's beautiful scenery. Uh, Snatch, um, Ocean's Eleven, uh, Troy, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which is probably one of the only films I didn't like with him. Yeah, that movie's bad, but never mind. That <laughs> film is bad and uh i regretted watching it um but yeah and then you know world war z which i love and uh etc etc he's um you know once upon a time in hollywood Uh, the last film i watched with him you know i thought it was amazing that is probably brad pitt unquestionably Mm. the most deserving oscar win of all time Brad Pitt. He's Brad Pitt winning. His performance Absolutely. in that is probably the best performance of like the last decade in a film. I, I love him in that movie. He's so good. He's so good. And I love him. And he's just Brad Pitt being Brad Pitt and doing what he does best. Being a cool dude and yeah. amazing at it. Yeah. And 
he's done so many films and he's still great. And he did do a zombie movie, The Lost City of Zed. No, that's not a zombie movie. Okay. Is he in the, is he in, is he in the Lost City of Z? I don't know. All right. No, I don't think so. Maybe he produced He's a it? producer. All oh, right, yeah. He produced Robert, it. Robert Pattinson's in that film. I, I, I keep meaning to yeah. watch it. It's about people. Yeah. It's about it's but, a true story of people exploring. I think South America, maybe for a, for a lost okay. city. So it's not it's not a zombie film. Yeah. Okay, but no, he's great. He's amazing. I I still love him, and yeah. Have we talked about Ocean's Eleven? Yeah, I love love him in there. My, he eats constantly. Yeah, I was going to say one of my favorite things is the way he is eating in every single scene in that film, and every no one can every single scene. No one can eat as charismatically as Brad Pitt. Can in no, that film. like he's beautiful. He's charismatic. He's a good actor. He's just great. Well, he's just eating and... chips and then licking his fingers. Oh, he's just yeah. wonderful, man. I love him. Yeah, yeah, I love it, and yeah, I I think he's great. So if he's in it, I'll watch it. Yes, so that's my number three, Brado Pitto. I like it. I'm into it. I'm, it's good. Let's go with it. Mm. Brad Pitt. All right, my number two. Now, my number two sort of stands side by side with Nicolas Cage as being an actor that often gets a lot of flack with people mm. who misunderstand his performances and think he's bad. He's not bad. He's the best. Up until a couple of years ago, I'd have ranked Nicolas Cage above this guy. But in recent years, I've just become more and more endeared to both his performances and his off-screen personality. And he, mm. he seems like, and all the stories you hear about him, is that he is the sweetest and most lovely man. I am, of course, talking about the incomparable Keanu Reeves. Yeah! Oh! <laughs> Don't you just love Keanu like, Reeves, I, Alex? I love Keanu Reeves. <laughs> And the last film I saw with him was wait a second. No, I'll have to find it. I have to find it. Can you Reeves? Can you Reeves? I can't say can you? Keanu. Like Kinu? Keanu? Keanu. Keanu? What's his name? Keanu Reeves? Can you? Because cause in, in Italy we say can you Reeves? Can you Reeves? No, I can't. Can, can you Reeves? Reeves? Yes, I can. Oh, so the last film I watched him in. Yeah. Was always be my ba- maybe. Ah, he's incredible <laughs> he in always be my maybe. So good in that. He's <laughs> so good in that, and it's just and some. I I have to admit this. Like, I I, I watched that scene of the restaurant like so many times because it's so good when he just walks in. <laughs> he's so good. Yeah. But yeah. Sorry, I interrupted. No, it's totally just, fine. Um. Yeah. I can't believe I forgot about Kanu. Kanu. So, Kanu. I'm going to read off another list of films. Go. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Mm-hmm. Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Bill and Ted <laughs> Face the Music. <laughs> the Matrix. The Matrix Reloaded. Yeah. The Matrix Revolutions. Yeah. I will defend those Matrix sequels. I like them. Um, Speed. And. Oh, Speed. Do you know why? Do you, do you know Ms. why? Um, do you know why Keanu Reeves didn't do Speed 2? Why? Because he wanted to go to Canada and perform in like an amateur dramatics version of, I think it was Macbeth or Hamlet. And instead of taking a massive paycheck to do Speed 2, he went to Canada and performed Shakespeare in some sort of regional theatre. And I just adore that. I just love him for that. And he was blacklisted so cool. by Fox for years, apparently, because he'd, um, you know, they felt like he'd betrayed them. Um, yeah. He's just the best. Uh, John Wick, John Wick Chapter 2, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Point Break, 
Francis Point Break. Oh, point Break. I just love that man in that movie. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula. A Scanner Darkly, Always Be My Maybe, obviously, and yeah. the highlight of Toy Story 4 is also Keanu Reeves. I just adore him. I just adore him. And, you know, writing out that list, I did realise he's done a lot of franchises and sequels and stuff. But I don't care. I don't mind at all. He's just no. the best. Yeah. Um, I love him from yeah from Bill and Ted all the way up to The Matrix. He's he's just he's just the absolute best. And yeah, like there's a there's an amazing clip of him training for John Wick and training how to be mm. like he's he's such a he's done so many action movies and he's actually like for real learned the choreography and really throws himself into it. Mm. But he's not like a he's not like a big macho sort of alpha male type. He's a really sweet mm. nice man from by all counts and um. Mm. I just love him. I just love him. I love him. I love him. I love Keanu Reeves. I love him. I love him. I'm going to stop saying it now, <laughs> but I do love him. Well, you love him as well, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, when you said Keanu Reeves, I was like, oh. <laughs> it's just, it's, <laughs> I can't believe, like, yeah. I, I, yeah, he's amazing. <sighs> yes, he is. Yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah. Okay. I agree. What's your number two? My number two is an actor, a bit like uh, Michaela Cole. I haven't seen her much in it, in things, but I think she is amazing. Mm. And I can't wait to see more. And I want to see things back. And I've only seen three films with her, but I think she's so good that, oh my goodness gracious me. Wow. And uh, my number two is Florence Pugh. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think she's amazing. Like, uh, she has really put a stamp into my heart. <laughs> um, I'm so glad I watched Midsummer. Yes, because that performance was like, wow, wow. Yeah. you are you are great, and you are so well. Like, like, so she could do anything and mm. um i that's why i put it in because i, I i'm i'm excited to see more of her yeah. and she's going to be in black widow yep next year and i hope i can watch with you <laughs> i hope so too uh, and but... i really i really hope that she be- sort of i don't know if she becomes a new black widow or what but i hope that she has an ongoing role yeah. in the in the marvel movies off the back of that cuz i yeah. in the trailer she looks great but in Little Women, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. In Midsummer, she's incredible. In Fighting with My Family, she's really, really good. Yeah. Like she's one of those actresses that put everything into the act, into her acting, and she's great. And how different are those and three movies I, as well? Like so different. Like, and she hasn't done that many movies, and but she's so great in all of in in the three I've watched. Mm-hmm. So she's good, and I think more is to come. And I really like her. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know who she's going but out I... with at the moment? Yeah, Zach Braff. Zach Braff. What an odd, <laughs> just odd, just strange. How odd? Yeah. yeah. Well, like I would have gone out with Zach Braff, like twenty years ago, but yeah, now. Uh, but she couldn't have gone out with him twenty years ago because she'd have been a baby, young. <laughs> but never mind. Yeah, but they have a lot of backlash. It's like, why don't people just leave her alone? Absolutely, I don't mind it. It's just, it's no, just strange. It's, like, it's just, it's only strange in so much as I wouldn't have guessed it. But um, if they're happy, they're happy. Mm. That's all that matters. Yeah, but she's like, she's like a chameleon, chameleon, isn't she? Because yeah, even she when is. she talks and you hear her in interviews, it's like you're not the same person that was acting in Midsummer. Yeah. 
Oh, she's her performance yeah, so, in Midsummer is. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I put her in number two. Okay, because I think one day she might be in my number one mm. if she carries on this way. Yep, that's fair. Cool. Cool. All right, my number one. Yeah. Okay, my number one is someone who, a bit like you. With some of your picks, I haven't seen them in many things. I've only seen them in about three films so far, mm. uh, and a TV show actually. But every performance is amazing, and one of my one of their films was in my top five films, and he's one probably one of my my favorite performances of all time. Just about, I absolutely love them. My number one pick is Florence Pugh. <laughs> no, really? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I. You was. I wasn't sure about it, but I just I put her in there. I didn't. I'm not making this up just for the thing. It's there on my on my phone. You can see. That's amazing. <laughs> like I did, I thought I thought you were I thought you were being really like you know. Uh, well, really? Why? <laughs> but yeah. Oh, great. No, great. I completely she's agree. She's amazing. She's the absolute. She's my absolute favorite. I adore everything. I've, like I've seen her in those three films we just talked about. Mm. I've got another one of her films on Blu-ray that I haven't watched yet called Lady Macbeth that I, I keep meaning to oh, watch. Yeah. And mm. um, she did, it was really aw- awkward because I don't know her personally, but it was really odd. She did a TV show a couple of years ago called Little, Little Drummer Girl. Yeah. Um, And she's really amazing in it, but I didn't finish it because I thought it was really boring and terrible. Okay. But she's really, really good in it. And I think that was the first thing I saw her in where I was like, oh, you're brilliant. I wish that this TV mm. show was better, <laughs> but you're good. And then, yeah, and then I think I think fighting... My, I remember watching... This, oh, and we were going to the cinema and watching Fight With My Family, having no expectations. Mm. I was literally just going to the cinema to see anything cause it, and it was, like, the only thing on. I'm just sitting there for, what, two hours and being completely enraptured by her performance and being like, this is a person who I will watch do anything. And then, yeah, Little Women and Midsummer, and, yeah, she's, she's yeah. the best, and I... In I think every I've been to the cinema four times since lockdown sort of happened, and in every single one I think I've seen a trailer for Black Widow, and I've been like, oh, let me see the new Florence Pugh film, and Scarlett Johansson obviously who is also my like Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh in a film together. I'm so there for it, and it will happen one day. So yeah, that's my number one. We we just we already spoke about it a little bit, but um I just I didn't want to mention it and steal your thunder because I figured I could just say it and say it now. Yeah. 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 She's great. She, she is, is great. she is the best. So what's your number who's your number one? Who do you wrongly think uh, is better than Florence Pugh? <laughs> I apologize uh if you hear purring. The cat Miro has arrived. Oh the cat's here. Followers on Insta yeah. followers of our Instagram will be well acquainted with Miro. Yeah. Yeah. She's uh she has been uh trying to not make me work in recent <laughs> days. I think it's the winter arriving just wants, and now she's like pur, pur. She just wants pets and cuddles. Yeah, she does. Oh. And warmth. I think I think that's all she wants wow. from me is warmth. <laughs> <laughs> that's all warmth and food. Yeah. Uh okay, so my number one um I think is an incredible actor and I love everything I've seen her in. And uh she her name is Frances McDormand. Okay. Yep. I yep, okay. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Frances McDormand, uh, she she has done 
such she's got such a range in films, you know. Uh Raising Arizona, Mississippi Burning, and then you go to like um Fargo. Yeah. And then, you know, she's just she I, I don't know, she's done so many different films and she's such a good actress that you kind of forget that she's <laughs> She is her in a way sometimes, mm. but yeah. So she's great. Uh, I love her. I I talked about her in free um in my favorite uh, in top five movies, mm, mm, and mm. Uh, you know she in free billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. She was incredible. She is, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing her in the French Dispatch. I want to see it. Uh, but you know she's great. She's got a great range. She's amazing. Um. She's in co- in the Coen Brothers film, so you know, better than that. Well, she's ma- she's do. married so to one I of think, them, and she's married to one of them. And I just, I just, I think she's just amazing. I she's an amazing actress. Uh, she's just great, and I think she's top class. Yeah, no, I can one hundred percent get behind that choice. She is, yeah, she's brilliant. She is brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, Fargo is. I mean Fargo. Yeah. Come on, Fargo. Burn after reading. Burn after reading. If, but if if she had only done Fargo and Free Billboards, she would still earn a place on your list. And then she's done everything yeah. else. She's done as well. She's she's consistently yeah. wonderful. Yeah. No. Yeah. Good. Definitely. Agreed. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of our lists. Do you want to go one more time from five? So from five, my number five was Tessa Thompson. My number four was Scarlett Johansson. Number three, Nicolas Cage. Number two, Keanu Reeves. And number one, Florence. Ooh. And my top five, number five, Margot Robbie, number four, uh, Michaela Cole, number three, Brad Pitt, number two, Florence Pugh, and number one, Francis McDormand. Francis McDormand. Wonderful. Yes. Okay, are you ready for a list of honourable mentions? Let's go. Jeff Goldblum, Emma Stone, Chadwick Boseman, Jamie Lee Curtis, Sigourney Weaver, Daniel Kaluuya, Kate McKinnon, Kristen Stewart, Natalie Portman, Lakeith Stanfield, Adam Driver, Rebecca Ferguson, Ryan Gosling, Michael B. Jordan, Paul Dano, Brie Larson, Mass Mickelson, Emma Watson, Saoirse Ronan, Woody Howelson, Joaquin Phoenix, Ewan McGregor, Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, Michael Keaton, Bill Murray, Tilda Swinton, Kurt Russell, Tony Collette, John Krasinski, Emily Blunt, Brian Cranston, Laura Dern, Francis McDormand, Sam Rockwell, Nicole Kidman, Jesse Plemons, Harrison Ford, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Peter Capaldi, Dan Stevens, done. Fantastic. So of the ones you haven't said, uh, Bette Midler. You haven't said Bette Midler. Oh. I think she's amazing. Uh, Anna Kendrick. Oh, why isn't Great. she on my list? <laughs> <sighs> she's in my top five. Why isn't... Uh, fine. Yes, Anna Kendrick. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then Colin Firth. Okay. Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. Susan Sarandon. Mm-hmm. Yuma Thurman, mm-hmm. Robert Downing Jr., mm-hmm. Christoph Waltz, yep. Tony Collette, mm-hmm. Gary Oldman, yep. Woody Harris- Harrelson, yep. Harris- Har- Harrelson. Woody had a ha- has uh, a house son. Uh, Kirsten Stockott Thomas, uh, Mark Strong, mm-hmm. Robert Carlyle, mm. Terry Mulligan, mm. Eleanor Bonham Carter, mm. Julie Andrews. Good, good. <laughs> But I agree with all of them you said, and then I've added some. Good. I'm just yeah. really And upset. there are more. There are much more. You actors are great. Actors are wonderful They're people. They entertain actors us Actors are lot. wonderful people. I'm so upset. Uh, but, uh, Anna Kendrick. Why isn't she in my list? 
Well, I was gonna. It was. I was good. I was trying to find a place for Anna, and I was like, she didn't. I didn't even put in my honorable mentions. But now, but I, I think our honorable mentions are joined. She's gonna be so upset if she ever hears this. No, no. Why? Because I love her. No, I know I love her too, and she really, she nearly, she was nearly on my top ten, but. It's just hard, isn't it? It's a hard top ten. My I if I'm ever down, I watch Pitch Perfect and I'm happy for yeah. forty eight yeah. hours. Like I nearly put her in because every film I watched with her I have enjoyed. <sighs> oh, me too, almost, except for the uh The Day Shall Come, which was a bit disappointing. I've not watched that. But yeah. Anyway, um Um Homework time. Yes. So I was going to go back because I figured like Florence Pugh, Keanu Reeves, Nicolas Cage, Scott Johansson, there's no point getting you to watch anything of theirs because you know them already. Okay. Uh, mm. and then, so I was going to get you to go and watch The Lighthouse. I was going to go back and get you to watch The Lighthouse with Robert Pattinson. But now that I, and I, you haven't seen Thor Ragnarok because that's the, no, that's the Tessa Thompson performance that made me fall in love with her. Okay. So I think I think Thor Ragnarok, Tessa Thompson in Thor Ragnarok. That's your homework. But this is doable. Thank you. Yes. Um, yes. What about you? Uh, I think uh, so. I think the only one that you really haven't seen anything with is Michaela Cole. Yeah, that's true. So I would say watch. Uh, you choose. Either chewing gum or black earth rising. Uh, I'll watch. Can I watch? Can I start at the beginning? Can I watch chewing gum? Yes. Okay. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna watch chewing gum. I'll start today. Yeah. Cool. And then uh, black earth rising. You can watch another time, but it's it's really. I good. might. I might watch both. No, oh, I won't watch both because nice. we're what we're recording again quite soon. I'll watch. I'll watch chewing gum. Yeah. <laughs> I'll watch chewing gum. Okay. I'll watch chewing gum. You can definitely. You've got Disney Plus. So you'll have no issues with watching for Ragnarok. It'll even. It'll probably even yeah, have subtitles. Oh, sh- okay. I'm gonna send you my copy. Okay. Oh, well, okay. whatever I have, you do that. my download. Send me your copy. Let us know. Okay. Well, I will I'll understand. I'll <laughs> Fantastic. It's been a great episode. <laughs> Anna Kendrick is gonna be so mad at you. Oh, don't talk to me about it. I'm sorry. Anyway, you 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 like at least I put her. In my honourable mentions. Even in my honourable mentions. You completely forgot about her. Anna Kendrick, I think you. you're better than Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> you can have his place <laughs> in my honourable mention. Um, oh. Okay. Uh, oh. Next, right. Thank you for joining us on another bumper-packed edition of uh, Culture Bucket. Um I hope you found some stuff that you might be interested in watching or listening to. If I had... Um, I'll tell you what, let's do this. What What's wrong? <laughs> the cat is putting the clothes in my Oh, I thought you were furious. So, <laughs> no. think about... Right, let's try a new new feature. New feature time. New feature time. <laughs> Everybody's here for a new feature time. There's jingle. Time. Um, culture catch-up, Alex. Yeah? If you had to pick two things from your culture catch-up this week to recommend to people, what would it be? Um, definitely. Have you heard George's podcast? And um, 
the podcast, have you heard George's podcast? Mm. And Maverick Saber's uh, album, When I Wake Up. There you go. So I put you on the spot a bit there. So thank you for thank you for that. Um, have a listen to those listeners and get in touch with us with your thoughts and opinions, and we might read yes, some out. Yes, please. And on my behalf, if I had two things I would recommend strongly from this week, it would be Visions of Bodies Being Burned, the album by Clipping, and His House, the new Netflix movie, um, which I thought was powerful and incredible and made me cry when it finished. So give it a go. Um, Join us next time for our top five directors. We're going to be talking about those auteurs that create the products we like so much. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, it's going to be cool and fun. I'm sure we'll be talking about plenty yeah. of fantastic directors. Alex will roll her eyes at me, I'm sure, with some of my picks. Um, and then I'll make her watch the films. And it'll be good. No. Oh, you're, you're like torturing me. I think this is your personal <laughs> horror show. <laughs> Are you filming me by any chance? <laughs> yeah. What's yeah. that behind you? There's a thing on the... Oh, don't do that, George. I will actually... Oh, George, you... you just... <laughs> <laughs> you are an asshole if you look if you look at that can you see there is a face and that freaked me out the other day jumped and screamed on my chair wow <laughs> oh george sorry so folks thank you so much we look forward to seeing thank you, you again thank you for joining us please keep listening and um yeah we'll yes, see you please. next time bye, bye.